So this is the end of Joshua's leadership. Uh, if I can have the first slide. So in Joshua 24 verse 15, uh, at the end of Joshua's leadership, this is what Joshua, at the end of his life, he said to the nation of Israel, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. So this is the end of Joshua's leadership. And so long as Joshua was still alive, the people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. And when Joshua said, I don't know about you, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And they are so gung-ho, they say, no, we will also serve the Lord. But unfortunately, even as we turn the page now to Judges 1, after the death of Joshua, they started relatively well, actually. After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, who of us is to go up first to fight against the Canaanites? So in this very first verse in the book of Judges 1, they actually started having success initially, but not eventually, because eventually Israel gets an epic F for failure. And these are some of the preview of their failures. Yeah, in verse 21 of chapter 1, uh, the Benjamites did not drive out. Verse 27, Manasseh did not drive out. Uh, verse 29, nor did Ephraim drive out. Neither did Zebulun drive out. Verse 31, nor did Asher drive out. And in verse 33, neither did Naphtali drive out. So what were they supposed to drive out? They are not, they are not to drive people out with a Porsche or Mercedes. They are supposed to drive out the enemies. The Canaanites who were occupying the land, uh, God specifically told them, that they have to occupy the land and they have to drive out the enemies. But Israel failed to do so. And this is the preview of their failure. So in essence, this was a transition failure. And in Judges 2 verse 10, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, meaning after Joshua's generation uh, have all died, Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. So long or as long as good spiritual leadership is intact and in place, everybody did what was right. And when that was removed, they quickly degenerated. So my dear friends, even as the whole world we are going through transition. And a lot of countries, we are also facing a leadership crisis. 
For, for he, us here in SIBKL, we are also going through a transition phase. But we thank God that truly God is here for us and God will truly lead us Lanka, Demi Lanka, even through our transition phase. Amen? So this is what in Judges 2 verse 10, it was a transition failure because when Joshua died and the future generation did not know what God did for them, uh, they quickly degenerated. So the whole point that God asked them to drive out the Canaanites from the land they once inhabited was to avoid moral corruption of the Canaanite religion, uh, even uh, on the lives of the children of Israel. So in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 10 onwards, uh, the narrator of the book of Judges or the writer of the book of Judges uh, from verse 10 onwards until the end of chapter 2, he encapsulates or summarizes the whole book of Joshua. And he, he gave us a snapshot of what happened to the children of Israel. So, in Judges 2 verse 16, it was the start of the era of the Judges. In verse 16, then the Lord raised up Judges, so my dear friends, when the people of God are not told the works of God from the Word of God, they lose the wonder of God. Let me repeat that. When the people of God are not told the works of God from the Word of God, they lose the wonder of God. And that is exactly what happened to the nation of Israel. So that's why even in SIBKL, we always talk about the next generation and we want to build the next generation because when Pastor Chu, Pastor Lee Chu and the older pastors like us are no longer around, when it is a whole new council members, a whole new elders board and we look to the next generation, will they lose the wonder of God? So may that never ever happen in SIBKL. Amen? May we transit well and we believe that truly God loves SIBKL and we will never see a transition failure. Amen? So why are we looking at the book of Judges? So uh, why Judges? It is an inspired record of Israel's failures and God's faithfulness in keeping His covenant. So although time and time again, the nation of Israel failed, but God, because He is a covenant-keeping God, His grace, His mercy, and His faithfulness continue to persevere on, and, and uh, God's faithfulness is always there in keeping His sight of the covenant. So this book also relates to God's people today, in that the terror of sin is outshined by the glory of God's salvation worked through these judges. Somehow it will point us to our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the book of Hebrews, this is how Hebrews teaches us to read the book of Judges. In Hebrews 11 verse 32, it says, And what more shall I say? 
I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. So these judges, they are not the best of people, they are not the best of leaders, but this is what God has uh, on hand to work through them, uh, even to lead the nation of Israel. Yeah, so the book of Hebrews calls us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So even as we look at the book of Judges, we want to really build up our faith that although they are imperfect judges, but through them, it will point us to the ultimate judge, the ultimate king, who is our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So, who wrote Judges? So, it was never mentioned who was the author of Judges, but most likely it is the prophet Samuel because of the narrative and the style of writing of Judges and Ruth. So, the key hint verses are in Judges 21 verse 25. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And in Ruth 4, verse 22, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. So in the olden days, uh, in ancient times, actually the book of Judges and Ruth is actually one book. But because of the canonization of the Bible, uh, it was split into two books, the book of Judges and the book of Ruth. Yeah, so it was actually one book. So you can only write about, about the period where there have no kings or you can hint that the future king is David only because you look back in history and that's why a lot of Bible scholars feel that the writer of Judges is actually Samuel. So the next slide you will see that the key phrase that you see repeated four times in the book of Judges is this phrase, in those days there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And the theme is compromise brings failure. And later on you will see time and time again, the Israelites fail. So let's look at this diagram now where I will spend some time on. So the book of Judges can be split into three main sections. So from Judges 1 to uh, chapter 3 verse 6, this is under defeat and the causes of failure of the nation of Israel is incomplete obedience, uh, verse 1 of chapter 1 to chapter 2 verse 5, idolatry, uh, chapter 2 verse 6 to chapter 3 verse 4, and intermarriage, chapter 3 verse 5 to chapter 6. And the main bulk of the book is on disobedience, and here we see the cause of failure. And Israel went through this cycle of sin and misery seven times. So when they sin, they are oppressed by the enemies. Then they cry out to God, they repented. Then God delivered them through the judges. There was peace in the land 
and they repeat this cycle over and over again. So the last beat of Judges is the worst and it is 18SXXX or whatever you want to grade it. Yeah, it is really very grotesque. So this is curses from failure. They spiral down from idolatry to immorality and later on to anarchy. So these are the three main sections of Judges. And, and this is the period of 1375 BC to 1075 BC. So let's look firstly at the causes of failure. Number one, the next slide please. Yeah, number one, the first cause of failure is incomplete obedience. So let's read Judges chapter 2. Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I let you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your sight, and their gods will be a snare to you. So the first cause of failure of the Israelites is incomplete obedience. Although the Lord asked them to drive out all the enemies, but they failed to do so because they have not obeyed fully the voice of God. The second cause of failure was idolatry. So in Judges 2.11, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and they followed other gods. From among the gods of the people who were all around them and they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and serve Baal and the Ashtoreth. So this was the second cause of their failure, which was idolatry. So the main deity uh, in the land of Canaan was Baal, and Baal was the god of rainfall or the storm god, and Ashtoreth, which is the god of fertility. Uh, and they believed that the sexual union of their gods, i.e. Baal and Ashtoreth, in the Hamleys, uh, bring them abundant harvest. That's why they have temple prostitutes and even as the way they worship them is to mimic their gods by visiting the temple uh, and have sexual relationship with the temple prostitutes. And this combination of idolatry, immorality and agricultural success was very difficult for men to resist, which explains why God told Israel to wipe out all the Canaanites because God do not want them 
to adopt the practices of the Canaanites. So this was the gods that they serve, the Baals and the Ashtoreths. And the third cause of failure was intermarriage. In Judges 3 verse 5, the Israelites live among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, Hevites and Jebusites. They took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. So the writer of Judges summed up their defeat or the cause of failure uh, in this point. So if you read uh, Judges chapter 2 onwards, you will see this summary. They forgot what the Lord had done. Judges 2 verse 6 to 10, they forsook what the Lord had said. They forfeited what the Lord had promised and they failed to learn from what the Lord did. So SIBKL, may we never ever forget what the Lord had done. The 28 years that we have been in this church, may we always treasure and even as we look back on how the Lord has brought our church and even our individual lives step by step, may we never ever forget what the Lord had done for us. Amen? So may we never forsake what the Lord has said. There are so many uh, good sermons that have been preached even from this pulpit uh, and even in your own quiet time when you read the word of the Lord. If the Lord has spoken a word to you, run with the word and don't ever forsake the word of the Lord because when you do so, whatever that you think that the Lord has promised you, you will indirectly yourself forfeit what the Lord had promised to you and you will fail to learn what the Lord has done in your life. So may that never ever happen to any one of us. So in Judges 2 verse 14, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, so he delivered them into the hands of the plunderers who despoiled them and he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity as the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn to them and they were greatly distressed. My dear friends, obedience brings God's blessings. But disobedience brings God's discipline. So in Hebrews, it says that the key principle here from Hebrews chapter 12, if disobedience isn't followed by divine discipline, then the person is not truly a child of God, for God chastens His children. So even for our own children, when they misbehave, uh, like for me as a father, I do not spare the rod. So you can ask my daughter, you can ask my sons, I do not spare the rod because uh, if you truly love your child, you would want to discipline your children. And it is the same for God. 
if this obedience isn't followed by divine discipline, then the person is not truly a child of God, for God chastened his children. And this is from Hebrews 12. God's love is an unrelenting, pursuing love. Even though Israel kept blowing up, God raised judges to bring them back. And in verse 16 of chapter 2, then the Lord raised up judges. So there is a hymn which goes something like this, the love of God is greater far than ink or pen could ever tell. So this is the Hasset love or the loving kindness or covenant love of our God. God uses ordinary people like the judges to do His work as He is committed in keeping His covenant of love with His people. All He has to work with are these judges. And why does He do that? Their weakness was matched by God's strength. So even as we go on and we consider the judges that you read, uh, some of them, you know, you, you, like the Cantonese say, you read about them also, uh, you know, you, it, it doesn't really whet your appetite because when you read their character and say, oh, you like that one. Uh. But even with this type of character, God still uses them even to fulfill His purpose. So now we move on to the next section. Uh, and this second section is the main section where we see this cycle of sin and misery being repeated seven times. And this is the cause, C-O-U-R-S-E, of failure of the nation of Israel. So the next table you will see, these are the seven uh, kings or the seven uh, oppressors of Israel. And the right-hand side, these are the judges or the deliverers. So the king of Aram oppressed the Israelites for eight years. And Ophniel was raised and he judged uh, the nation of Israel for 40 years. Then came the Moabites who oppressed Israel for 18 years and Ehud was raised and there was peace in Israel for 80 years. Then Shamgar, only one verse, chapter 3, verse 31. Then Canaan, the Canaanites oppressed Israel for 20 years. Then Deborah, a prophetess, uh, and Barak, who went to war with Deborah, uh, and there was peace in Israel for 40 years. Next came the Midianites, who oppressed uh, Israel for seven years, and a coward like Gideon was raised, uh, and there was peace in Israel for 40 years. Next was Abimelech, uh, three years. Then uh, Tola uh, was a judge for 23 years, and Jael, 22 years. And Ammonites oppressed Israel for 18 years. Then it was Jephthah, uh, who ruled for six years. Ibzan, seven years. Elon, 10 years. Abdon, eight years. And last but not least, the Philistines oppressed Israel for 40 years. And the last judge, Samson. And there was peace in Israel for 20 years. So, Actually, if you look at this, there were actually uh, 12 judges, uh, 
but actually it consists of 12 men and one woman, Deborah, if you consider Barak uh, as the other men. But uh, there are only 12 judges here. So the empowerment of God's Spirit on these judges does not equal that uh, it is an endorsement of human choices. So we will, even as we progress in the book of Judges, you will know that you know, there are certain judges who were actually not appointed by God, but it is actually uh, the nation of Israel asked the person to lead them at that critical point in Israel's history. So these are the four judges who took up the main bulk of the book. Deborah, Judges 4 to 5. Gideon, Judges 6 to 8. Jephthah, Judges 11 to 12. And Samson, Judges uh, 13 to 16. And now, let's look at each of these judges briefly only because for the next, uh, I think, almost two months leading to sometime even before Christmas, we will be looking at the book of Judges, but we won't end with the book of Judges, thankfully, because we are going to look at the book of Ruth. Yeah? So we won't end with the book of Judges, but we will, we will start off the book of Ruth and it will continue uh, into 2023. So let's look at the first judge. So King of Aram oppressed Israel for eight years. Othniel was the first judge and he judged for 40 years. Chapter 3 verse 9. But when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel judge and went to war. Yeah, so, so this was actually uh, uh, Caleb's uh, nephew of Neil, uh, who was the first judge that's being raised. Next was the Moabites uh, and Ehud. Uh, there was peace 80 years in Israel. So of all the judges, my personal favourite actually is this bloke called Ehud. Yeah, and, and why? Uh, he's my favorite because I think he's a very cool guy. He's a left-handed man, yeah, and, and uh, he actually deceived uh, the king of the Moabite, Eglon, uh, who looks a bit like Jabba the Hutt. If you are a Star Wars fan, you know Jabba the Hutt is a very fat uh, bloke, yeah, and this Ehud was a very cool left-handed man, and usually people are right-handed. So when they search their body to see whether they carry any weapons, they usually will search their left leg because the sheath of the sword is on your left thigh. But because he was a left-hander, he hid a knife on his right thigh. And when he had a private audience with Eglon, he reached for the knife that was hidden on his right thigh and plunged it into uh, Eglon. And he was such a fat man that even the, the, the handle of the knife went right through into his belly. And, you know, you can read uh, the rest about it in, in Judges. It is quite a cool story. So that's why he's my favourite judge. And as you can see, 
uh, under him, there was peace in Israel for 80 years. And this was the longest time that Israel had peace under a judge. Yeah? So next uh, was Shamgar. Sorry, Shamgar. Uh, after Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goat, he too saved Israel. So an ox goat is an eight-foot-long pole with a pointed tip. And this one, if you look at this, it's like a Yip Man movie, you know, uh, with the ox goat, you know, struck down 600 Philistines. Yeah? So uh, even as you read through Judges, you will see very interesting stories as well. So next is the first uh, or the only female judge, Deborah. Uh, so Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidov, was leading Israel at that time. And Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. So why Deborah, a female prophetess, was a judge of Israel? Because the men slumber. Lor. So, you know, when men slumber, God has to raise a female. Yeah, and even this one, you see, Barak said to her, you go with me, only I go. You don't go, I don't go. You know? so, so what kind of men are we having? You know? so, so may the men of SIBKL rise up. Amen? Yeah, so uh, we really need to see the men rise up, uh, even in the church. Uh, and this one was also a very interesting story because Deborah prophesied and told Barak that the victory will not be yours. The victory is through a woman and a woman will deliver Israel. And there's this woman by the name of Jael who picked up a ten pack and drove it through the skull of the, uh, the, the, the commander, uh, the <coughs> enemy's commander. So again, another interesting story. So in the weeks ahead, you will hear many, many interesting stories from the book of Judges. Next is Gideon. Um, so the Midianites oppressed uh, Israel for seven years. So Gideon, a coward, um, uh, during the time of his rule, uh, 40 years of peace, Judges 6 verse 11, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abazrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Wait a minute, isn't Gideon a coward? Why did the angel of the Lord call Gideon a man of valor? So the principle here is, God does not see you as you are. He sees what you will become by His strength. Amen? So don't say, oh yeah, I'm not adequate enough, Lord. I, I do not serve in the church because I don't feel adequate. I'm not well equipped. I cannot speak properly. Uh, I look at people, also my face uh, will blush, you know. But when the empowering of the Lord is upon you, even a man like Gideon, you know, the angel of the Lord called him a man of valor. So man of valor in the house, 
rise up. Amen? So uh, you too can serve the Lord. And the next one is uh, Abimelech. He was oppressing Israel for three years. And Abimelech was actually the son of Gideon through a concubine. Yeah, so he was actually a son of Gideon through a concubine. So Abimelech conspired with his own mother um, and killed 70 of his brothers except for one brother, Jotham, uh, and he ruled over Israel for three years. So Abimelech, after Abimelech, there rose to save Israel, Tola, the son of Pua. So any Puas in the house? Yeah. Uh, son of Dodo, a man of Issachar, and he lived at Shamil in the hill country of Ephraim. And he judged Israel 23 years. Then he died and was buried at Shamil. After him arose Jael the Gileadite, who judged Israel 22 years. So as you can see, not all judges are given uh, prominence. Some, just one or two verses in the book of Judges. Next, uh, the Ammonites oppressed Israel for 18 years. Then you have Jephthah who uh, judged for six years. So Jephthah was actually... Uh, chosen by the elders of Gilead to fight and deliver Israel from the Ammonites. Now, Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior, but he was the son of a prostitute. Gilead was the father of Jephthah. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you give the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the Ammonites, shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. But this vow was a very tragic vow. So imagine if a goat came to the door, then Jephthah would sacrifice the goat uh, or whatever animal that came out of his door. But unfortunately, the one who came out of the door of the house to meet him was his own daughter. So that was a very tragic vow that he made. So he was adept in battle and a mighty warrior, but he was unfamiliar with God's character because Jephthah uh, uh, treats Yahweh God like any other pagan deity. Yeah, so... More to come in the weeks ahead. So next is these three judges, Ibzan, seven years, Elon, ten years, Abdon. Uh, so uh, I won't read the verse. You can go back and read from Judges chapter 12. And we come to the last judge, which is Samson. Uh, so the Philistines was oppressing Israel for 40 years and Samson uh, was the judge for 20 years. So in Judges 13, 24, And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanedan, between Zorah and Eshtel. In verse 28 of chapter 16, Then Samson called to the Lord, and this was uh, the, the last bit of Samson's life. And he said, O oh Lord God, please remember me 
and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. So, uh, this is one judge that we are very familiar with uh, because of our Sunday school. If you have been to Sunday school, I'm sure you would have read or you have been taught about this judge. So this judge actually is one of the most thorough judge of Israel. Yeah? He was actually promiscuous, arrogant, violent, and though he won great victories, it was at the expense of his own integrity. So Joseph Parker, a theologian, has this to say about Samson. Samson was strong uh, and, and he, has, he was an elephant in strength, but actually he was a baby in weakness. So what was his weakness? His weakness is actually beautiful woman. So when he sees a beautiful woman, uh, he, he lusts after that woman. So that was his weakness. Okay, so the last bit of Judges, we are going to close soon. And this is the most thorough part which I told you earlier. So as you can see, the curses from failure, Israel spiraled down from idolatry to immorality to anarchy. So from Judges 17 to 21, you will see this story of Micah and the family. They built a private shrine run by a Levite in Judges 17. Then the Danites also want to have this idol, want to have this deity, and they kidnap the Levi and the idol in chapter 18. Then in chapter 19, this is the most terrible part of the book of Judges, a Levite and his concubine, and this concubine was chopped into 12 parts, and her body parts were sent all across Israel. Yeah, then there was civil war between Israel and the tribe of Benjamin, chapter 20. And there was great mourning in chapter 21 of Judges. And in these four chapters, chapters 17 to 21, four times you will see this phrase, in those days there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So my dear brothers and sisters, even as we have given you an overview of Judges, what are the takeaway lessons that we can take home even through this uh, overview? Number one, God often uses the most unlikely people to accomplish His work. Number two, God is holy and cannot stand the presence of sin and rebellion. And the last point, abandoning absolute trust in God by not keeping His covenant leads to moral relativism, which leads to moral anarchy. So let me spend some time in the last point. So what does this mean? Abandoning absolute trust in God by not keeping his covenant leads to moral relativism, which leads to moral anarchy. So what this means is that because you tend to judge things by your own standard, 
then it will lead you to moral relativism because you will think, oh, I do this, actually, it is okay one, uh, you know. I don't think God will be angry with me. So you, you tend to, you know, uh, weigh your, uh, you know, by not keeping God's covenant or having absolute trust in God, you tend to do things in your own eyes. You think, oh, actually, I don't think God will be angry with me if I do this. So that will lead you into moral relativism. So that, this is what it's all about. So like I've mentioned earlier, we will not end 2022 on a sad note. And all that I've shared with you, if you don't remember a single thing, it is okay. Remember this diagram. Yeah. So what does this diagram and how does this apply to me? So when we look at the book of Judges, it refers to our past, our previous state when we did what we think was right in our own eyes. But right now, we are actually all roofs because we have been redeemed by our kinsman redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ. Ruth was a Gentile who adopted the way of her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she also worshipped Yahweh. So we are indeed the bride of Christ. We are all roofs in God's eyes. So uh, we are currently in the era of Ruth and this is the present time because our kinsman redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, has redeemed us back to God when we accepted Him as our personal Lord and Saviour. And we want to move forward to take the future and that is the theme of our church this year that even as we move forward to take the future, we look forward to the future where Jesus will rule as King of Kings and reign as Lord of Lords over all the earth. Amen? So even as we, has, we have given you this overview of Judges, I pray that truly we will not live in the past where we do whatever we think is right in our own eyes. But even as we are now in the present, even as you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Saviour and Lord, that we are all roofs in our own right because we are the bride of Christ. We have been redeemed back to God by our kinsman Redeemer and we look forward to the future. So let's bow our heads even as I will sing you a song afterwards and it's entitled Return to the Lord that even as I sing this song I pray that the Spirit of God will stir your heart that if you really want to come to know the Lord in a deeper and more uh, intimate way that you want to draw close to the Lord after I've sing this song, Return to the Lord, I will open the altar and you come to the front and our leaders and pastors will pray for you. And the second category of people that I want to 
request you to come to the altar after I've sung this song is for those of you who are standing in the gap for your sons and your daughters, for your siblings, for your family members, that you want them to return to the Lord. That you don't want their life to be always in this cycle of sin and misery and you want to stand in the gap for your sons and your daughters that they will return back to the Lord. After I've sung this song, I will open the altar. You come and you stand in the gap for your sons and for your daughters. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that even as we have looked at the book of Judges overview, that truly, Lord, we do not want to be caught in the cycle of sin and misery. That even as I sing this song, Return to the Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will stir the hearts of men and women, that they will return back to you, O Lord, that they will not live a life that is always in circles, but they will live a life and press on to the higher calling. That even as we look forward to the return of the Lord, I pray, Lord, that you help us to come back to you, Lord. And we also want to call out to the sons and the daughters, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they will return back to you, Lord that even as the songs, uh, as this song goes forth, oh Lord, I pray, oh Lord, that even as we stand in the gap for them, that you will lead them back to you, oh Lord. Hallelujah. Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Be Refresh again, return to your God and break the power of sin. Remember how you once loved Him, remember your. to be his servant but you've lost it you've lost it somehow don't you think it's time to return to the Lord and be refreshed again return Jesus, 
He stands before you. I think it's waiting for you now. I've seen you wander through the desert. I've seen you so lost in that storm. I've seen you holding on, you holding on to nothing. And I've seen you battered. Rolled and torn I've seen you wander You wander through the desert I've seen you so lost In that storm Then I've seen you holding on You holding on to nothing Then you walk away battered And robbed and taught return to the Lord and be refreshed again return to your God let him break the power stands before you I think he's waiting for you now yes Jesus he stands before you I think he's waiting for you now yes Jesus he stands before you I think it's waiting for you now the altar is open if you feel the Lord has spoken to you and you want to enter into a deeper relationship with him you come to the altar and our pastors will pray for you and if you want to stand in the gap on behalf of your sons and your daughters, your siblings, your family members, and you want them to return to the Lord, you come to the front as well, and we will pray for you. And now may God bless you and keep you. May God make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the good Lord turn His countenance towards all of us and grant us His shalom peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.